Well, good morning, Hope. Can I tell you that uh, I, I believe that on days like this, God just has something extra for those who come out from the, from the sleepiness. How many got a little extra sleep last night? Anybody go to bed early? My wife was in bed at 8 o'clock last night. I'm telling you, you know, she just knows how to make this thing work. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know how she does that. But uh, you know what I want to do this morning? I want to give a shout out. Listen, uh, the crew that comes in here at 7 o'clock to set all this up, our musicians, I think we need to give them a hand this morning. A little extra, right? Come on. And they do that because uh, they believe that you are worth every moment of their time to come and set up an atmosphere for us to come and learn more about God's love for us. And that's what we're going to do today. So welcome to Hope. Uh, my name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here, and we're excited to see every one of you. And we are in a teaching series right now uh, out of the book of Genesis. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can go ahead and turn there, Genesis chapter 39, or not, it's going to be on the screen uh, for you to read along with us. And we're talking about a very interesting character, kind of almost one of those people you read about in the Bible, and it almost seems like their life is so different than ours, it's hard to relate to that. And uh, I just want to encourage you guys, we're going we're gonna to take the lesson of Joseph, we're going to apply it to our heart today. Hey, one quick uh, push for announcement real quick. Uh, next Sunday, uh, we're having our, our uh, 301 growth track. Uh, what that is, is if you are wanting to know more about how God wired you, the gifts he's placed in you, how to be better uh, uh, equipped to, to help other people, to, to show uh, God to other people, we have a class right after service. It, it meets immediately after service, and uh, we will feed you and we'll take care of your kids. How's that? And we guarantee you'll be going home by 1 o'clock. So it's a, it's a great time together, but there is a, there's an assessment for you to take ahead of time, so you need to go to our website, hopecharlotte.com. And, and sign up there and go ahead and take that assessment and bring it in with you. Now, how many know that in about 15 minutes, we're probably going to have some people join us this morning because their alarm clocks didn't get set up, right? Uh, I, I have a hard time. You know, I, I, I use my iPhone for everything. Do you, can I get a witness to that? I mean, it is like my secretary. It's my everything. But I do not trust it on this, this time of the year. So at least I have this old school alarm. I'm talking like it still plays. It ought to play eight tracks, but it plays CDs, right, you know? And, and we had to set that last night because I, I didn't want to show up and y'all be like, hey, Pastor, welcome to Hope, you know? So uh, it's, just, it's a strange day. But you know what? I think this is a great day because it tells me this. There's a new season. And there's a new season for all of our lives. And I think God has something special for every one of us in this season. You know, uh, it, it's really interesting. As you're, as you're kind of getting ready to read this story about Joseph this morning, it's hard for us in our culture to get away from what I call the hero narrative, right? That it, it's something that's so deep ingrained in our, in our minds and our hearts of desiring to be more than maybe we already are, right? And we really, we, we come around that in so many ways. We see it in our literature, we see it in our, our movies, and we, we like to follow these heroes who somehow have this extra, this extra gift or this extra power, and, and somehow they, they save the day, right? You know, they, they save the day from the evil villain, or they, uh, they bring justice where there's no justice, or, or they bring hope where there's no hope, or they, they rescue the weak, and, and, we, and we see those and we celebrate them. I mean, uh, Hollywood has no original ideas lately because we're still back at Batman. Can I get a witness? I mean, you know, and, and Iron Man. We, we were going back to my childhood, bringing it forward, because again, we have this love for heroes. And I really believe it comes from a deep yearning inside of each one of us to be special, to make a difference, to, to be that change agent in the world, to have that ability that, that we are set apart for some greater purpose than just walking on this earth and somehow trying to figure out how to do life together. And I really believe that desire to be special is, is really significant because I think it cuts deep down into our souls who we are, what really we are about. 
And I really believe it's God-given because, you know, when we think about it, God, God has something inside of us that cries out, that says there's, there's more to this life than just trying to figure it out. And there's more to me than, than just what I'm able to do because God is able to do incredible things through you and I when our lives are submitted to him. And I really think there's something about us where we reach out and, and God causes us to, to want to desire to be significant and heroic as our representatives of him in this world. And it's so compelling because we have to go back in our minds and we know that something was lost in the beginning. Something was lost when sin entered into the world. Something was lost back in the Garden of Eden. We, we lost that purpose. We lost that, that presence that God had for us to, to reign in this earth and to be generous and a blessing to wherever we go. And we, we know deep inside something was lost. And every one of us that's come to put our faith in Christ knows there's this yearning to recapture that. There's this yearning to, to grab hold of that destiny God has for each of our lives. And really, that's what this series is about. We we're studying the, the life of a young man named Joseph. It's kind of freaky when you think about it. We're studying someone that, we, that began his story at 17 years old, and, and we take great wisdom from his life, and how many people take great wisdom from 17-year-olds these days, right? And, and yet they, there was something God was doing in him that represents what he does in us. In this Joseph, he's really one of the most famous characters in the Bible outside of Christ. I mean, you can go downtown right now to Blumenthal, and you can watch uh, Joseph in the amazing Technicolor dream coat, right? He's that guy, okay? Maybe not how Broadway puts it on, but how the Bible talks about it. And being that guy, his story is something that is so compelling because he's someone who had a dream from God to become more than who he was in himself. A dream that God would put him in leadership and all the way through his leadership, he would bring healing and redemption to his family and to his nation. And we're studying his life not so much as just a story because we could do that, it'd be so easy, a history lesson. We, we're not studying his life just to, to have a good story in our lives. We're studying his life because in it, we see a pattern. We see a pattern of how God walks us through life in sometimes some difficult times, some t trials, some tests, to prepare us and to make us ready so that the gifts he's placed in us can be fully used and be fully accessed. And those, those trials and tests aren't easy. They're not fun, in fact. There's not something we wake up in the morning and go, oh God, send me a trial, right? That's not your prayer in the morning. But yet God brings us through those things because he's doing something. He's bringing in, in our lives this destiny out of us. He's bringing in our lives these gifts out of us so that we can be a blessing to other people. Can I tell you, you live among people that need to know Jesus Christ. You live among people that are broken and hurting. You work among people that are broken and hurting. You, are, you worship among people that are broken and hurting. And God's highest calling in your life and mine is that we would be able, through God's grace and mercy in our own lives, to offer the same love he offered us to others and point them in a way of hope that knowing that God is able to do that which we cannot. So the question we really answer in this series is, what, are we, what, what is God moving us toward and how do we get there? Now, so far we've talked about the test of pride. That was a real fun one, wasn't it? None of us battle pride at all. Uh, but yet it's, uh, it's something we start with. Because we have to get past ourselves. We have to get over ourselves. We are not the answer. He is the answer. Amen? And the greatest way to get us out of us and God in us is to learn to serve other people. And to get out of ourselves and be a blessing to those that, that we have an opportunity to bless. Now last week we looked at the pit, right? How sometimes life takes us to places we don't want to go. Can Anybody ever been there? Can you see a hand this morning? Come on, you're going to have to wake up. Or I'm asking, we're going to take a coffee break here in a moment, all right? Uh, sometimes life does, it takes us into a pit. And many times those pits are places we didn't ask for, we didn't create, 
Many times they are the result of someone else's choices, but yet we end up there and God uses those pits to bring us that place of humility where we look to him and say, God, our answer is in you, God, and our hope is in you, God, and our trust is in you. And Joseph, last week we found him in a pit, but today he's going to move differently in his story. Now what we're going to talk about today is what I call the prosperity test. And we're going to see it in a very different realm in Genesis chapter 39. So let's pray and let's read this together. Father, God, open our our minds and our hearts this morning, God. God, open our our lives to you right now, God. I I pray that this word would just come alive in us. This story would take on more than just, uh, God, just a a kid's story, God. Let it be something in us, God, that you use to shape us and to show us, God, that, God, there is a path you have for us, God, that leads to life, but not only for us, but for those that are around us. So, God, take this time, God, and, God, we give ourselves to you. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hey, let me just show you a quick slide. I, they may have to go to it here. I've been trying to promote this. Uh, the Kids U Version. How many are familiar with U Version? It's a Bible app. It's incredible on your iPad or your phone. Uh, it's an amazing gift because we can just, anywhere we are, if we can access the Word of God. They put out also a kids app. And uh, I'm telling you what, you will have fun with this as an adult because what it does, it takes some of those Bible stories that maybe you grew up or not even know about. And it, and it teaches you at a level that, that you can show your kids both how, how not, you can read it, you can listen to it, but it also like has games and quizzes you. And listen, guys, if you know someone that's raising children, trying to show them Christ, that is a great technology for us. So I just want to show you that. Now let's read this story together, not through that app, but through your Bible, okay? Genesis 39, verse 1 through 6. Now Joseph, remember he was in a pit. His brothers wanted to kill him. The older brother Reuben said, no, we're not going to kill him, but we're going to sell him. So they sold him to these Ishmaelites, these, uh, these uh, Arab tribe that was on their way to Egypt, and they, and they sold him to, to slavery. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became became his attendant. And Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. And from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in his house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now, now Joseph, if you picture this, Joseph moved pretty quickly from my brothers want to kill me to now I'm living in a house where a man trusts me with everything that he has. He moved quickly from the pit to the palace in in a certain way. But you need to understand something about this location where Joseph is, this setting that you find him in this morning. Joseph was, was right here in this place where there was a lot of, lot of luxury, a lot of uh, things around him, but Joseph was a slave. And you can't get around that. Joseph is in a position right now where he went from being the favored son of his father to now he is a slave in the Egyptian master's house. And he's put in charge of all of Potiphar's goods, but yet he had no promise of a natural wage for doing a good job. He, he didn't even get a McDonald's. Minimum wage. Can I get a witness? He had nothing, right? It was just like, you do this because I own you. And yet Joseph passed a critical test in the story that all of us need to get into our lives. He passed a critical test that God placed him in to prove himself faithful over uh, someone else's possessions, over someone else's dreams. And when he proved himself faithful, God honored him and God prospered him. 
It's a test, it's a lesson that actually Jesus talked about in the New Testament. It's a lesson that we need to understand, I think, in our day more than any other time of how God shows us many opportunities to be faithful in small things so that he can trust us with much. Check this out. You don't have to turn there, but in, in Luke, Luke chapter 16, one of the four gospels, one of the four stories about the life of Christ, in Luke 16, verse 10, Jesus is teaching his disciples, and he says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be with dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? You see, the first test Joseph encountered after the pit was whether he could be trusted, whether he could be a faithful steward of someone else's property. And listen, every one of us wants to be that hero, right? Every one of us wants to be that person that's the go-to, that God can just trust and, and can work through. It can use you in mighty, mighty ways. We want to be that person that can make a difference, that God would, would flow his great power through so that through us, others will have hope. But, but we must remember that for God to do that, for God to trust us, there is a faithfulness test. There is a stewardship test. There is something about us that God is looking at and saying, I want to trust you. But I'm going to begin down here because I want to get you up here someday, right? I want to begin in the small things so I can trust you with the large things. So God puts this test of stewardship in front of Joseph the same way he puts that in front of us every day. You see, he said, if we can be trusted with the little things in this world, then God will give us the great things that he is in store for us. Now, I want to bring it out of the Egyptian picture into our picture today. And I'll make this very real for you and I. It's very practical. It's a very simple lesson today. But I, I think you'll see the, the need of our understanding of it. What, what it kind of relates to is this. God would look at us today and say, what are you doing with that job that I, that I opened up for you? Do you look at it as a, as a ball and chain and you just go in with a grumpy attitude and you just kind of can't wait till the clock gets done so you can go home? What do you do with that? Or what do you do with that boss that God has given you? Do you honor him with your life? Do you, do you lift up his, his dreams? Because maybe they're not your dreams, but yet God has placed you there to do so. Will you be faithful with another person's goods or dreams, even if that person is someone totally very different from you? Maybe their beliefs are totally different from you. Maybe their background is totally different from you, but yet God has placed you there to serve them. You see, this dream that Joseph had was going to be tested. This dream of being a blessing to all nations was going to be tested. And it's no different in your and my life today, guys. If we want to do great things for God, if we want to do great things for our community, if we want to help the broken, if we want to come around and, and lift up the down and, and bring justice where there is no justice, then God will test us in these ways. He'll put us in places where he will say, can I trust you with what someone else has? Can I trust you to be a faithful servant even when you don't see the reward coming your way? Because you see, this test determines whether God entrusts us with his bless, his good stuff. It's something we face every day. I want to read you a scripture out of, uh, out of Colossians. And I, I have to give you a context to it here because, again, it just kind of sounds weird when you read it because it starts off with, with the word slaves. And, and you have to understand that when the Bible was being written in the, in the, out of the life of Christ, when they were interpreting and translating what God was saying for us today, they were writing to their context. And they were writing to their culture. And many times when you read Paul's writings, particularly Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's speaking to what is. Now, we know today there is no place for slavery in this world. Can I get an amen? Wow. Can I get an amen? Rewind. <laughs> There's no place for slavery in this world. All right. But in that day, 
the fact was there was slavery. And Paul was talking to people that were in that condition. And, 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 and if you could, in your mind, they replace that word slave with employee. Maybe that'll help you, all right? Maybe you feel like a slave there, but that's another story. All right, Colossians chapter 3, it's on the screen. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it. Not only when their eyes, eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. What, what, it's, it's, it's a different picture, isn't it? What he's saying is, instead of grumbling about the fact you've got an opportunity to earn wages, maybe God has put you there to be a great witness of his love for everybody. And out of your faithfulness and out of your servanthood, God may want to prosper you by prospering somebody else. You see, what, what I really believe the Scripture talks about is that God is looking at us and He's saying, will you be faithful to represent me here on the earth? I get asked a lot of times, Pastor, how, how do you witness? <laughs> be a good employee. <laughs> how do you witness? Love your neighbor. How do you witness? Let the light of Christ shine through you all the, all the day long. It's not a matter always of having the right words. It's a matter of having a life lined up with God and saying, God, you can trust me. And God, I trust you to bring people across my life, God, that I can be a blessing to. You see, because it doesn't matter whatever job we may have, whether it's a volunteer, whether your job is raising children at home or, or being a stay-at-home dad or an employer, an employee or independent business owner, we've got to understand something, that those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, our work on this earth is not to impress anybody else, but it is to impress God. It's before him that we serve. It's before him that we show up early, we work hard, we do a good job, and we honor those that we serve. It's to him that we come and we pour out our lives so that he can pour a blessing into us. And you see, this is the reason that Joseph was promoted everywhere he went. We're going to see in his story that no matter where we find Joseph, God was always with him. And wherever he was, he prospered. Because he learned something early in his life, and that was no matter what he did, he was going to work at it with all of his heart because he was working for the Lord and not for those over him. I mean, think about it. Potiphar was not a believer in God at all. He, he, he worshipped idols in his, in his religion. He was far from what we would say a follower of God. But yet the fact that Joseph came into his house all of a sudden began to make Potiphar prosperous. And the reason was is that God was with Joseph. And you're going to hear that again and again through this story. God was with Joseph. And God prospered Joseph at whatever he did. Now, now let me ask you a question this morning. Would it be okay with you if the Lord prospered everything you touch? Anybody? Yeah, you, you like that? Yeah. If, if you know, he, maybe he made your, your, your marriage, he helped you in that marriage, that it's the marriage people look at and go, now that's marriage. That, that's what I'd like to have, right? Or maybe he prospered you in your, in your business and, and, and you see it as being a blessing and you're using that, that, that business to be generous in our community and, and you know that it's the hand of God. Or, or maybe that, that you would want God to prosper your mind or in your studies or your developments. Maybe it would be that God would prosper your relationships, whatever they may be. You see, God wants to do something in our lives. He wants to, he wants to bless us. He wants to prosper us. But we have, to, we have to understand why he does that and how he does that. So if you're taking notes, I want to give you about four things this morning of how we set ourselves up to walk in that place where God will prosper us. And the first thing we have to understand to do that is we have to recognize that the word prosper is not a bad word, okay? It has been hijacked by some people in, in, in faith, right? 
We have the whole prosperity doctrine out there. Maybe you're familiar with that. You know, oh, God, won't you give me a Mercedes Benz, right? You know, it's that kind of uh, craziness, you know? That's not the prosperity he's talking about. What he is talking about is that God wants to bless you to be a blessing to others. He wants to do things in your life that will be a witness to others. You see, to prosper in the word of God, prosper is actually a biblical word. And when you study it in the original language, whether it be in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, or the Greek, in the New Testament, it means the same thing. It means to help someone down the road, to push them forward in their lives. So when we say that God wants to prosper us, when we say that God wants to do a blessing in our lives, what we're saying is he wants to help us down the road. He wants to move us forward in our lives. Listen to this little verse out of this little book, 3 John chapter 2. I'm not going to ask you to turn there because you probably will lose yourself on the way, all right? A little bitty book. But in the back of the Old New Testament, he says this. He says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Just as your inward man prospers. Just as your real person prospers. God wants to push us forward, help us down the road. But it's really up to us whether we put ourselves in a position where God can do so or not. What I want you to see this morning is, is there's a place of prosperity. There's a place for God to to begin to move in our lives. But to get there, we need to understand how he does it through us, all right? So what are the keys to God prospering? I want you to write this down this morning. There's keys for God prospering our lives. And the first thing is this. The key to prospering is really the presence of the Lord in your life. It's really the presence of God in your life. You say, well, wait a minute, you know, isn't God uh, like everywhere? Yeah, he's omnipresent. We understand that's one of his characteristics. Our God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's, he's, he's everywhere. We can't escape his presence. But that's, that's a little different than what I'm talking about. He, he is more than that. You say, well, wait a second. When I, when I come to know Christ, you say his spirit comes to live inside of me, so, so God is with me, and yet that is true. And we need to recognize that. But when I'm talking about the presence of the Lord in your life, I'm talking about his hand of blessing on you. In other words, you have walked in a place where not only has God saved you from your sin and come to to dwell in your heart, but now you recognize him blessing you every day, walking with you every day. You've created an atmosphere that God is welcome in your life always. And that's the presence of God I'm talking about this morning, that God is pushing us forward and others can see it. Verse 3 said, when his master saw the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. So Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. And Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. I've always believed this, and that should be when you are living out the life of Christ, when you are living it out every day, when you are living it out at the workplace or at home, others ought to notice a difference because you're there. You say, Mike, that's idealistic. That's just kind of crazy, right? No. I really believe that if we follow the teaching of God's word and we let it become real in our lives, that literally, no matter where we are, there is a difference that is made because we are there and because God is with us. I mean, it's like asking the question, does, does my boss know I'm a believer because I always tell him I'm a believer? Or does he know I'm a believer because he can count on me and he sees a character in me and he sees a life in me and a hope in me and a life in me that says, you know what, there's something different about them and my business is better because they are here. That's, that's what we're talking about. It's a change of focus. It's saying, you know what? Your greatest witness is not to go overseas somewhere and become a missionary. Your greatest witness is every day in your workplace, in your home, in your school, in your, in your athletic teams. We need to ask that question. Is, is, is our, our witness, is, is it so clear 
that we don't have to go around telling everybody about it, but they just see it. And when the door of opportunity opens up, we can explain why the hope we have is so real in us. That's what we teach every day around here, right? So we have to recognize the first thing, the key to, the key to God's uh, prospering our lives is really his presence in our lives. But that leads to a question, well then, how do I get that in my life? How do I get God's presence functioning that way in my life? And that's the second thing. And the key to God's presence is obedience. No one's going to amen obedience, are you? It's just like, well, wait a minute now. Now you're asking us to do something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The word does. See, obedience is the key to God's presence in our lives. Because if we don't obey his teaching, you know, that, that's one thing we've got to remember. Uh, people will say, oh, I, I tried Christianity. Well, did you, did you read the Word of God? No, I just went to church. Well, no, you need to read the Word of God because that's where the words of life flow into you and, and, and change your life. And as you read them, you, you need to also walk out trusting to obey them. Because when you obey the Word of God, you're inviting God to bless you and to show forth his goodness in our life. But because he is a holy, righteous God, if we're living in rebellion to his word, what we're doing is we're just like pushing his hand away from us. And we're just saying, God, God, I really know I want you, but I really don't, right? I really need your blessing, but I'm not willing to obey, God, your teachings. So if we want to have the presence of God functioning in our lives, the first thing is really we need to learn to obey what God has shown us. And we see it again and again throughout the Bible. When people obeyed, there was prosperity. When they rebelled, it's like God's presence would depart from them. There's this wonderful, wonderful quote out of Isaiah one of, the, one of the prophets that was foretelling the time of Christ coming to be our Savior. In Isaiah chapter 1, he says, Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. In verse 19, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Look at what he says in verse 19. He said, if we are willing and obedient, there's prosperity. There's the eating of the goodness of the land. But if we resist and rebel, there, there's no prosperity there. Life doesn't flow through us the way we want it to. Those words are willing and obedient. You know there's a difference between willing, being willing and being obedient? There, there's a big difference between wanting to obey God and yet having a right attitude. There's a difference between having that, that attitude of, yes, God, I'm going to serve you, and no, I'm just going to do it out of a duty. God never called us to be religious people that just do things out of duty. Do you understand that? There, there's no life in that. You know, it's not like we showed up this morning, we ticked a box. Okay, I went to church. Okay, God bless me. No, God's not looking for your duty. He's looking for your heart. And that's why he says we need to be willing and obedient. Well, is, is it possible to not do both? Do you remember when you were a teenager, anybody? You can't go out till you clean your room. Okay, I'll clean my room. Slam the door. Things are flying everywhere. I mean, oh my goodness. You know, I'm wondering if the house is falling down. You're fine. I cleaned my room. There. Can I go out now? Well, they were obedient, but they weren't willing, were they, right? There, there's something about the attitude that God looks for. It's not, it's not just that we do our duty. It's that we, we lovingly say, God, what a blessing this is to serve you. Why? Because God wants our heart, and he wants to prosper our heart. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Please understand, guys, we're, we're not talking about earning salvation somehow here. Salvation has nothing to do with your works, has nothing to do with your, with your duty or, or, or being obedient. Salvation, we are saved only one way, and that is through grace, right? It's by the, the gift of God that he's given us, by faith. 
that we accept what God has done for us. And that is how we come to know God through Jesus Christ. And in the word, the word goes on and says, not of works so that no man can boast. Listen, if our relationship to God was based on what we do in the sense of, of experiencing his love and his grace in our lives, then we'd be proud people, wouldn't we? Well, I'm better than him because, you know, I, I obey more than they do. No, that's not what he's looking for. He's looking for hearts that are obedient and willing to say, God, I just want to be like that person that says, God, what do you want, God? What does your word say, God? Let me, let me find life in that. Let me find blessing in that. Because when you taste the blessing of the Lord in your life, resulting from walking in his presence, can I tell you, obedience never seems like a duty. It seems like a joyful desire that just bubbles up in you because you just can't get enough. You just want more of what God can do through you so you can pass it on to others. But to get that place of God's presence being in your life, that hand of blessing on you, it comes from walking obedient to the Lord. Now, now to have obedience in our life, we need something else, all right? Again, very basic teaching. I want you to get this. So the key to God's presence is obedience. And the key to obedience is faith. It's faith. It really boils down to that. I've had people say to me, I want to obey God in certain parts of my life, but I just can't seem to do it. Can I tell you that working at it on your own strength or working hard is not the answer? Because you're trying to do something in the flesh that can only be done in the spirit. You see, the key to a life of obedience really is faith. Because if you truly believe that a life of obedience will produce the blessings of God in your life, you won't try to obey. You want to obey. It just comes naturally. It becomes something that is second nature to you. Because faith, listen, faith is only as strong as the object it is in, right? It's only as strong as the object it is in. Faith is not something we just have as some kind of commodity. It's something we grow in because we recognize God is good, God is faithful, his words are true, and our faith grows because our faith is in him, not in ourselves. And if you truly believe in something, we do it. And if we truly believe that what God has said will bless us, then we walk in that obedience that leads to his promised presence, that leads to his prosperity in our lives. I mean, think about faith for a moment. Faith is what takes the farmer down the road that says, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to till up the soil and I'm going to plant seed. And I'm going to sweat a little bit and I'm going to work a little bit because I have faith to believe there is a crop coming, right? We, we, all, we all do a lot of things by faith. We, we all do. Listen, when you got in the shower this morning, you turned it on hot, right? Because you have faith somewhere the cold water is going to turn hot at some point, unless you stayed in the hotel I did the night before last. What it is is faith. It's, it's, it's understanding that the hot water's coming even when it feels cold. Faith, faith is saying what God has said, if we apply it to the spiritual life, what God has said is happening even if I don't feel like it. Even, even if I don't feel his presence, faith says he's with me and he's blessing me and he wants to do more in my life. So I want to walk in obedience resulting in that blessing. So the key to obedience is not my willpower because <laughs> my willpower stinks. It's not my willpower it's trusting God's work in me and saying, Lord, I, I, I long to be in your presence, God. So to do that, Father, I want to walk in obedience before you. I, I, love, the, I love the promise out of Ephesians. We kind of always laugh at it, but there's such a powerful truth to it. In Ephesians 6, he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Did your mom and dad ever drop that one on you? I mean, you know, I was like, you know, you're misbehaving. Hey, obey your parents in the Lord, because it'll be right, you know, and you're like, you know, use it like a whip or something, you know. But that's not what he was doing. He says, listen, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. It's the only promise. It's the only command of God that came with that promise. And as adults, we, we struggle sometimes to obey. 
And I really think the reason we struggle with obedience sometimes is because we don't see the immediate consequences of not obeying. We don't see the immediate consequences of choosing not to obey. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad we live under grace and not under the law. You know? My, 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 if, if you're reading through the one-year Bible right now, I've, I've encouraged you guys to get into that. Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm reading in the book of Numbers in the morning. You need a lot of coffee to read through the book of Numbers in the morning. But, you know, in the Old Testament, it's like, you know, disobey lightning, you know, done. You know, disobey, earth opens up and swallows you. It was just kind of that immediate cause and effect. And because we don't live in that day now, sometimes we're like, oh, I can disobey all I want. I can get away with it. But here's the deal. What we don't see is when we're walking in disobedience toward God, it may not be that we're like under some kind of punishment, but what we're doing is we're missing out on God's best. We're missing out on God's best. We're missing out on God's promise. We're missing out on God's blessing in our lives. And the motivation ought to be in our obedience to come from that point of faith to say, listen, I desire for God to prosper my life so I can be a blessing to others. And so to do that, I need to walk in faith that what he has said will happen. And because he said it, I can trust it, and I can live in that promise every single day. But yet, how do we get faith, right? And that's what we're going to wrap up with this morning. So, so you go back and say, the key to prosperity is God's presence in our lives. That he's walking with us. That is evident wherever we go. So if the key to prosperity is his, is his, is his presence, then we want to walk in that presence so we, we go in obedience. And the key to obedience is faith. It comes out of that knowledge that says, I know God is good and I trust him. But how do I gain that faith? The Bible teaches one thing about faith. It says this, that faith, the key to faith, is through hearing the word of God. Hearing the word of God. You see, the key to having faith is not obeying the word of God. It, it will lead to that. But the key to, to, to having faith is hearing the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. I, I really li- believe that, that we, we live in a day where if we are not careful, we're, we're trying to live out of faith without going to the source of the faith every day. We're trying to live out a witness without letting the words of God become our lives. And yet we live in a day we have more access to the word of God than any other time. You don't have to have a big leather-bound, you know, like table Bible anymore. It's on your phone. (laughs) It's on your tablet. It's everywhere you go. And the word says, faith is going to grow when I hear the message about Christ, when I let the word of God get into me. In other words, faith shows up wherever the word of God is honored. Faith shows up whenever the word of God is honored. Now, I I know. I I know the Bible. I know what it teaches. The Bible teaches in James. He says in James, now we need to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer, right? I I know that. Let, Let me just read it to you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. For anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Guys, do you see the progression? God wants to prosper your life like he did Joseph's. He, he, wants, he wants people that are around you to recognize the blessing because of your faith in Christ. Practical, he wants your employer to go, I am so glad they work for me. Because they seem to work for someone else. <laughs> when I was leaving the company I worked for, when I transferred from Houston out to here as the CPA firm, I remember when I knew it was time to leave. 
And I knew it was time to go in the ministry. I, I just knew God had called me. I'd been preparing. And we got down to the very end. And, and, and I was sitting with my, my partner, and we were having that. An, how many have an annual meeting this time of the year, right? You get that review. That's always fun, right? And I'm going through the review, and, and I never forget his words because it was the words I, I think I had I'd been living for. And he was like, he's like, Mike, we like you. You're going to be a partner here someday. You're going to make a lot of money, okay? But here's our problem. You seem so excited about the things of God. You seem so excited about when, what God is doing in your life. And, and, and you know what? We see it on you. We don't get it because we don't even understand God at all. But you know what? There's something different about you. And you need to make a decision. Is anything to us or God? Yeah. <laughs> I've been praying, oh, God, make it easy to know when it's time to go. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's nice when you're getting blessed on one side and you know you're fixing to go over here and do something totally different. And I looked at him, I just laughed, and I said, you know what, if I, was, if I was of the world, I could sue you right now. You do know that. I said, but here's the thing, you just honored something that is so dear to me. I said, because I've served you by serving God, and you've, been made, you've made a lot of money because I've been here. I didn't make so much, but you made a lot of money since you've been here. And you know what, I'm happy to do that, but there's something higher I need to go do. And you know, guys, and we live our, and it's not that I was like wearing the Christian t-shirt and the big cross and thus saith the Lord. No, it's just living out every day. Loving people, helping people, doing your best, honoring God. Why? Because when we're faithful over the few things, he will make us ruler over much. So how do we get the word of God in our lives? Guys, there's no other way to do it but then to read it, right? There's no other way to do it but then to read it. And if you don't know how to read the Bible, uh, we have a class 201 uh, that, that we teach you. Uh, methods of, of understanding the Bible, because you need some understanding. It's an ancient book. It was written over 2,000 years ago. It's, it's a book that's still alive today, and one of the cool things about it is everything it has said in here has come true or is coming true. It's not been revised. There's no third edition. This is what God gave us to live by. So we need to get the Word in us. We need to memorize Scripture. We need to meditate on God's Word. Listen, here, here's a thought today. Maybe just, maybe just, if you don't know, ask somebody to help you. Find a verse that breathes life into you, right? That really speaks to your life. And like put it in the most popular place in your life. That could be your mirror. It could be your refrigerator. Whatever, whatever you stare at the most. Maybe you just need to put a scripture up there and just begin to meditate on that one thing. Because what happens is this. It's like when you eat the best dessert in the world. Which is my wife's strawberry cupcakes. I'm just saying I'm on a diet right now. Can anybody get a witness of that? It's not fun. I'm looking forward to communion today. It's the first bread I've had in like forever. So if I nosh, forgive me, okay? But like, she keeps making desserts during my diet. And I keep giving them away. It's like, please take these cupcakes. I'm going to eat every one of them. Because the thing is, when you taste something that's so good, what does it do? It makes you want more, right? And that's the way word of God ought to be. When you taste it, it ought to make you want more and give you that hunger to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig a little deeper. I'm going to get a little more word in my life. Because you see, the word builds faith. And the faith leads to obedience. And obedience leads to God's blessing, that promise in our lives. And, and though, we, though we, we want it just for us, God wants us to be people that pass it on to others. And that's the lesson today, really, out of Joseph's life. He was a slave. He had no reward for what he was doing, but yet he honored God with his whole life. And God not only prospered him, but he prospered the man he served. Guys, I tell you what, I believe in the day we live in, the witness is not so much what you say, it's what you do. The witness is not so much what you say, but it's what you do. I, I, look, for, I look for reality. I look for truth. 
I look for transparency. I don't want somebody selling me a bill of goods they're not living. Can, I, can you understand? So in the same way, the message to us as believers on this day where we're all sleepy is we need to recognize that God has called us to be prosperous, but to do so, we need to learn to walk in that obedience that comes through faith, that comes through the Word of God. Because someday, and this, this is the greatest, greatest thought, someday, I really believe that we are living for this one thought, and Jesus said it in Matthew 25, and it's what I want to hear the day that my life ends. It's the day I want to hear when Christ returns, whichever comes first. Matthew 25, verse 21 says, well done, good and what? It doesn't say well done, good and talented, does it? It doesn't say well done, good and wealthy, does it? It doesn't say well done, good and humble, but it says well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a what? Everybody always looking for the big thing, aren't they? Oh, God, give me something big to do, and I'll do it. And God's like, do the little thing first. You know, love your neighbor. <laughs> Be nice to your wife. You know what I mean? Just little things. We are like, God, let me, go to, let me go to, like, Madagascar and save the world over there. I don't know why you would do that, but maybe that's where God called you to go. And God's like, why, when you've never talked to your neighbor? When you're not even a good employee? When your boss is going to be glad you're gone? Just saying. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's blessing. Guys, God has so much for us. He has so much for us as, as, as followers of him. And, and I know this morning there's so many of us that are in different parts of our journey of following him or trying to decide to follow him. And can I tell you something? As one who's journeyed with him a long time, it just gets better. It, it just gets better. I'm not going to say it gets easier. There are moments like, God, you want me to do what? You know, come on, man. You know, I, 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 haven't I done enough? But, you know, because I've tasted and seen that God is good and I know what his blessing feels like in my life. See, I, 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 made, I was so blessed, and I tell my dad this all the time. Now he's 82 years old, and I said, Dad, can I just thank you for one thing? He goes, what? Thank you. Well, two things. Thank you for loving God, and thank you for loving my mom, okay? Two things. He's like, oh, well, it's no big deal. It's just what we do. I'm like, Dad, 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 I'm, I'm blessed because you were faithful in a few things, and God is making you rule over much. Guys, I, I hope and pray for you. For many of you, you are the first generation to come to know Christ in your family. I pray that generations that come will say, I am blessed because my great aunt, or great uncle, or grandma, or grandpa, whatever you may be, they serve the Lord. I am blessed because I know someone who knows Jesus. And I really think as we go forward in this teaching on Joseph's life, guys, we're going to hear this again and again. The key to everything is God being with you. And this morning as we prepare our hearts to respond to him, that's really what we need to focus on. So I want to ask you to stand with me. We're going to pray, and our musicians are going to lead us in a, just a, a reflection song, a song just to kind of listen to and then sing along with. And then we're going to invite you to, to just, in your own way, where you, where, where you are in your walk, respond to God. You say, what does that even mean to respond to God? It's simply answering two questions. What do I think God's saying to me right now? Because some of you, you're, there's some things going on inside right now, and you're like, why am I feeling this way? 
why, why am I thinking of someone I need to go make something right with? Or why am I, why, why am I almost seeing this reel of film in my head? It's God speaking to you. He's, he's like, look, I love you. But I want to show you how to be blessed. So you have to answer, number one, what is God saying to me? And then secondly, what am I going to do about it? Because see, our faith is something that no one else can live out for us. Our faith is something we have to live out. And I know that when God moves on our heart, sometimes it's hard because we're like, God, I don't, I don't want to forgive that person. I really don't. They, they hurt me deeply. When God moves on our heart, we're like, God, I, that, you know, I, I'm not good at speaking. And I know you want me to speak to my neighbor. I don't even know what to say. God, I trust you. Whatever it may be that God is saying in your life today, we just want you to take a moment, reflect on that, and then decide what you can do about it. We're going to pray for you. We're going to ask God to bless your life. You may have come today, and, and you came, and you're like, man, I've got so much going on, Pastor. I don't even know how to think. I just need someone to pray with me. I've asked, uh, I've asked Scott and Kathy Miller, some of our prayer partners, they're going to make their way back to the cross in just a moment when I pray, and they're going to be available. If you want someone just to agree with you in prayer, they're going to pray for you. We celebrate communion every Sunday at Hope. We do that because this is our hope. Not the bread and the, and the juice, but what it represents. That Christ died on the cross for us. He gave up his life. When he did that, the word says that by his wounds we're made whole physical abuse he took made us whole and the blood that was shed on the cross it's our salvation it, it's where forgiveness comes because again he did it all but the reason we have the cross and he's not hanging on it is he's not dead he's alive we sang about it this morning because on the third day he rose we celebrate that at easter he's a resurrected savior and because of that all things are possible to those who believe so whatever your circumstances this morning everything is possible if you put your faith in him so I want you to bow your head with me right now. We're going to pray. And I want to encourage you, if you've never asked Christ to be real in your life, if you've never asked uh, Him to help you uh, understand His love, if you've never asked Him to forgive you even, then, then it starts right where you are. It's not something that you need to, to walk down to a certain place or to meet with a certain person. It's just right where you are. Just speak to the Lord. And I promise you this, God is faithful. He is faithful to cleanse us from our sins, to forgive us, to change us from the inside out, to make us new, to forgive us and give us life. So right where you are this morning, would you just pray, Father, I love you. God, I thank you. I thank you, God, that, Lord, you have given us such a, a foundation, God, to, to stand on in this world, God. And you've given us your word, oh God, and Lord, you've not revised it, you've not taken it back, Lord, you've put it out in front of us, God, and God, you've called us to to learn and love you, God, as, as we see you through it, Father. And God, I pray you just help us today, God. I pray you help us, Lord God, to be a people that prosper, God. God, I pray you help us be a people, God, that, that see that, Lord, the, the greatest thing you do through us is you flow through us, God, your gifts, God. God, you flow through us your generosity, God. God, you flow through us, oh God, your life. God, to breathe life into so many that are broken and hurting, God. Father, I pray today, God, for each individual, whatever you're speaking, God, during this response time. God, just help us to take a simple step of faith and trust what you're asking us to do, God, and God, to do it with all of our mind. Father, we love you. God, help us to respond.